Welcome, welcome to Intentional AF, your weekly podcast, bringing you the hottest takes on branding, marketing, and the latest tech tools so you can build a scalable, intentional, and badass brand in Web3. Today, we're exploring Azuki in our intentional brand check, giving you one fire brand tip that you can implement today to level up online. And in nerding out, we'll be checking out three products. Are you ready? Let's get into it. Alex, what do you got? Hello, we made it to episode three. Look at us go. I'm excited about, (laughs) look at us. Uh, I'm excited about this one because it's different from the past two brands that we've looked at, Azuki. Uh, So we're going to get into the brand check. And before that, I'm just going to give a quick disclaimer that the brand check is not financial advice. We will be focusing on identifying wins and improvements uh, from the project that we'll be covering uh, from a branding and marketing perspective to help you learn how to build a better brand. And with that... We were talking about this a little before, and I just wanted to add it, how often after the end of these brand checks, we kind of really like these projects and think about buying them. And it's crazy how much when you dive into them deeper, how excitement builds behind it. Yes, uh, I was ready to buy an Asuki immediately after I did my research, but then I realized that I don't have 15 ETH laying around, so that I won't be able to do that. But anyways, <laughs> we can start on Twitter. Um, first impressions, got that gold check verified check. The Japanese anime slash skater you know world check that's one of the things that's wrong as too from the brand brand identity standpoint uh when i was going through their twitter i liked what i see i i saw a lot of very relevant posts uh from like funny moments of uh just like culture pop moments translated into their artwork i saw a lot of original videos i saw a focus on commission art from the community uh, and then a lot of focus on the new people that are entering the community another thing that i noticed from their twitter uh and this is from not just their main azuki twitter but also their beans uh is that they kind of are taking a decentralized, and I say in quotes because decentralized can mean many things, but community-run uh, content. Uh, I found that they have this Red Bean Radio Twitter spaces that they do every Monday. Uh, and then they also have this Bean Gazette uh, that is a weekly summary of Azuki's uh, community events or you know things that are happening. So as far as like keeping the community engaged and keeping them informed on anything that's happening with their project, they're doing a really good job. Now, I don't know whether or not these, like the Red Bean Radio or the Bean Gazette, I don't know if these are people that are like working with Azuki, like the company. Um, So I'm not sure on like legitimacy on some of the things that they're sharing or i would be a little bit concerned because i don't know how to verify whether or not they are part of like the actual team uh so that would be one thing that i would like to see more of like how can how do they verify people that are kind of working with them to run the community from 
an original content point of view. Uh, if you if you want to go to their website to dive into kind of like their mission statement and and the um, the benefits. So if you go to the manifesto, so I can't read it all. This is really small. <laughs> But this is all very lore driven. I think out of the all the brands that we've done, this is the one that it gave me zero uh, like objective benefits. It was just you're gonna enter the Azuki metaverse. Are you ready or not? Are you gonna take the red bean or not? Very matrix, you know, uh, type of vibe where. They're just inside, uh, inviting you to enter their their space. So I think from a lore perspective, it's really well done. I really liked it. Um, but from an objective perspective, it can be a little bit vague for someone that maybe doesn't know anything about the Yasuki world and the garden and like all these things that they're building. Um, if you want to go lastly to their garden, Asuki dot com garden yeah so let's see yeah this is the part that i think has some of that like objective ish uh wording so azuki is a brand a new kind of brand that we built together a brand for the metaverse by the community so again they're really relying on that community built decentralized approach while building their their lore and their community another thing that i noticed was here where it says the garden oh sorry pat if you can go right there and zoom in a little bit yeah right there thank you Another thing that I noticed was this part where it says the garden is the corner of the internet where art, community, and culture fuse to create magic. So to me, those, if I was looking at this for the first time, I would take those as their values uh, as a brand, the art, community, and culture. Um, and I think they are doing a really good job with showing the art part with a lot of the commission art that they're creating with the community. And showing that through the main Asuki account and the Beans account. Um, honestly, with this one, it was a little bit hard to find like a lot of areas of improvement because they are doing such a good job with the testimonials and the sharing of the art and the commission art from their community, and also having this kind of community-oriented approach with all their updates and all the Twitter spaces and all this original content. So. I wanted to bring it up here and see, you know, from your perspective of looking at Asuki, what were some of the things that, you know, maybe you would say are opportunities for improvement? I think that you said it correctly in they're doing a great job with the lore. And I think right now, Web3, there isn't a ton of projects that have really extended it outwards in that way that's familiar with that anime Japanese style as well. So I, I think that they're giving the folks that are in their community that have an interest in what they're doing, what they want. I think what they're missing, you use the word object, objective-ish to their messaging. And I think that's bang on. At the end of the day, they're using a lot of words that say stuff, but don't really mean anything. So 
you know, built for the metaverse by the community. What does that actually mean? Art, community, and culture fused to create magic. What does that mean? And so when I think about that from a messaging perspective, I think they're doing a great job for the now. The part that I worry about for projects that are are based on this kind of idea and really focus on the lure part is that how do you bring this to the masses? How do you bring and transition your community from just those that know about everything and have had a real part of participating and building the project to somebody who's coming in who doesn't know anything at all and either is in a position where they have to study really to get an understanding of what this is and what's it about and how can they participate or they're just going to bow out and they're going to say, I don't have the time to engage to get to understand what the garden is and what all these characters are. So I think my thesis is that it becomes increasingly more difficult if you don't have that real objective language, clear messaging of what the benefits are, and you're just basing something entirely on story. I think it's going to become increasingly more difficult for projects to transition from the community that they've built together to a much larger and stronger community as more people are onboarded to the space. Just a thesis, but what I think. When you go into them, go ahead, Pat. I was just to say, if you add that legal perspective on top of it, it seems like a lot of these sites that have gotten the same legal advice is limit what you're offering. Do not promise too much. Make sure it's a membership. Make sure it's access. Make sure it's about that access. Make sure it's about nothing else. And so I don't know if it's maybe legal that's also kind of putting that angle on a lot of these things in a way to prevent what might be regulatory or some legal actions that might come in the next six or 12 months. It's a good point. And and we talked about that with the background of their team, um, which kind of gets us into our next section as well as like, who is this team and, and how did this project come to be? So it was created by a company called Chiru Labs. Um, which, Pat, you can bring up their Twitter. They state that they're a Web3 technology company. The group is born in Los Angeles, and they're building the metaverse. Doesn't say a lot there, uh, and they don't really give us much. They mention the fact that this group of people was born in L.A. They've got backgrounds in crypto, technology, and gaming. And like they said, they're working to build a decentralized brand of the future. On their website, which, you know, you go to the Twitter first, see what it gives us, and then hop to the website to see if I can get any further information. It still doesn't give us a ton um, whatsoever. It says that they're a Web3 studio shaping the future of storytelling. We build products at the intersection of art, technology, and community. So there's those values that Alex, you spoke about earlier. And they're creator of a number of things, one of which is Azuki, as well as Beans, a physical back token, and the ERC-721A, which was a big deal in the space. Um, however long ago, six plus months ago, that really reduced gas on minting prices. Um, and so that contract was a big part of that. So it shows that they've got the technology or I guess the technological know-how to pull off an advancement like that in smart contracts, which was a big deal at the time. Their public figure, the one who's most well-known, the team there has been some uh, information about their identity, particularly when there was a scandal that happened with one of their co-founders, Zagabond, but they don't live as a docs community as far as I could see anyways. Zagabond is the one that's got the most attention, largely because uh, if you know the story of Azuki, you know of the controversy around it. So they came out, they they minted, held a really high floor price 
a lot of people invested heavily into the space. And Zagabond, who has described himself as a reformed DeFi builder, ex-big tech and collector of sweatshirts, um, he came out publicly after which they had spent a lot of time in market and publicly admitted to participating in three NFT projects that before had been abandoned. And so in the community, that's a big red flag in terms of a founder being associated with projects and walking away from them. That's considered a rug. And so there was really big controversy around this. I think that they did an amazing job at coming back from that. And we've spoken earlier about how they did that is unclear, of course, but I think it was way more complex than the outside looking in would lead you to believe. I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that not every team would have been able to do such a hard task. What do you think is, what are the expertise um, or, you know, the unique partition that, that, that they as a team bring um, that were able to bring it back and now carry it forward? I think it's likely a lot more complicated than we'd be led to believe. Zagabond is an investment banker formerly. They have in their team YC Combinators or Y Combinator Accelerator participants. It's one of the hardest accelerators to get into in the world, which means they're obviously quite talented. They've got so they got this background in startups. They've got a background in finance and they're very closely connected to the VC community. I think that probably has a lot to do with it. And there was probably a lot of things at play there, which I know, you know, we won't go into here, but how you maintain a floor, how do you bring up a floor? What do you use from a networking perspective, um, from a finance and investment perspective to be able to do that? I think it can get really complicated, but it, there was likely a lot of that at play. We know that Zagabond only came out with that reason. I won't say we know. I would suspect that Zagabond only came out with the, the public admittance of being closely associated with this other three projects because of the fact that they are closely connected to the investment circle. And getting VC funding with skeletons in your closet is just strictly impossible. So that had to be something that they would admit would be my suspicion. So that's really the unique expertise that they're coming with. They've worked at Google, at Facebook, you know, Overwatch, all of the the brand names that you would want to see, legitimacy and what positions and what, who really knows. But at the end of the day, Y Combinator, Accelerated Stripe, Coinbase, Airbnb, Instacart, very well known. They've got to be talented to be in there. They've got this connection to Overwatch, so the gaming world, and then having background in Facebook and Google it's a big deal. And likely there was a lot of things at play there from both a financial perspective and a business acumen perspective. That is definitely not a bad resume to have. Uh, let's go with the content and uh, stats from their community, Pat, what you got. Sure. I'm actually going to start from the Twitter account. I had a hard time and I'm not sure exactly why, but I couldn't actually pull up their main account with our social blade. So I actually had to import and use their beans official account which is strange because this product works quite well on everything so i'm not sure if that tells something but it definitely makes me want to look a little bit deeper to figure it out um this is interesting regular follower count that's coming and then over the last few days big big numbers or at least those three days so something big must have happened in the community for those numbers to increase that's always actually a very good positive sign um 
who their phone doesn't. Is... Sorry. Is it okay if I jump, if I like yeah. tell what Always. it is? Yep. It might have been an announcement about an event that they're doing. They're really well known for the like quality event, immersive Japanese style events that they do. And they have one coming up in June that I think they recently announced. So that might be a reason why. That makes sense. And the tweets are consistent and steady. So the score that they got is a C plus. And we've been seeing recently like a B minus, like I told you before, was a pretty good score. A C plus again is good, but won't tell us too much information next to their consistency of their tweets. The consistency of their followers is there. What we're going to jump into is some of the actual numbers and stats on the project itself. And we're using nftgo.io for our review today. You can see their floor price is about 15.5 ETH. Like Christina said, they came back from a, a destructive moment that literally was, I think, around 3.5, 4.2 ETH was the floor price. That was the opportune moment that if you actually got in, you could have come to this level of tripling your profits. They have very good, steady volume, the fifth in the space. Market cap is 155 ETH, 155,000 ETH. 4,600 holders, which is a great number as long as that keeps going up. I'm going to show you the entire project here. And so you can kind of see where things have been. And they continues to build some new volume ever since December, which is very positive. But you can see when a down market hits a project and you know liquidity dries up and there aren't people buying, there's very little reason for the price to go up. The volume must go up. For that price to go up because it shows the community is actually trading it that trading brings profit in where the teams can use to do these types of awesome events and so you can see there's on average 742 trades every seven days which is fantastic numbers so there's a reason why they're one of the top projects they're also holding their floor extremely well so to christina's point as well this team has a financial background they know what they're doing and because of that, they're able to actually market make their project correctly. And they're doing that by doing all the right things on the social side, all the right things on the community side. This is interesting. You can see back in November, we went from 219 whales down to a drop to like 37, 60. So a bunch of whales got out of the project, which is interesting because that's actually a time period where if I go back here, we go to November, December, things have gone steadily up since that time period. So we're at 8.7 ETH all the way up to 15. So it's doubled in price since those whales left. So these are interesting kind of stats to look at to understand, you know, what changes help the project. Um, again, unique minters, how many people are actually holding it is another one as well. But this gives you a good idea that their financial background is very much helping them hold this floor price. I used an example of the doodles being at a similar place um, in their project history where after one of their project founders tweeted out that this is not an NFT project, their prices came crashing down from, you know, what was at one point, you know, a project that was in the double digit eats and holding quite well has an incredibly high value. So you can see here it's gone from 20 ETH all the way down to 2, 2.4, 2.2, right? 
same type of a moment. Most projects cannot survive that amount of a drop. They have a lot of great people behind them too, and a lot of potential. But these are kind of the moments to look at these projects and, and better understand, you know, what's going to take to get out of this horrible place that they're at. Azuki's has done an amazing job. I think they're one of those blue chip companies out there that's being run like a web two finance, um, but they don't really have a business model or some sort of a profit strategy past, you know, what, what we've seen so far, but that we're now off. Yeah. It's impressive what they have done, but I also think like we talked about from their website, it seems like the legal folks are, are in there well enough to know that we should be broad. This should be about membership. Let's give them a free t-shirt here or there and, you know, do something immersive and experiential. At least that gives people a real value they can't quantify with, you know, dollars and cents all the time, which I think is probably the best way to go until some of the regulatory stuff clears up on whether you're even allowed to do this or if this is considered VC funding and raising. 100%. Uh, I love the NFT Go uh application or or i don't know if it's an app or a tool uh nft go hit us up come through <laughs> we love it uh, christina from the diving into azuki what would be your personal brand tip that you took away i think my personal brand tip really comes back down to the community and the way that they've been engaging their community is really strong. It's based on what are the needs of the community versus what are the needs of the project. And I think when we're building our own personal brands, it's easy to get lost in what am I talking about related to me? How am I putting my things out there? How am I asking for support from my community? What we've realized is that if you build a relationship in a way that's providing value consistently and making people feel like they're engaged in what you're doing, then you actually very seldom have to make those asks. People are there to support you. So that would be my personal brand tip. And I think it's something that we've seen very clearly with Azuki. Get people involved. Give them the value that they define as value, not the one that you define as value. And what they need in, in participating in a project, apply those same things to your brand. Think about that this week. And I think you're going to be in a much better headspace. I just realized that we didn't give it a grading uh, at the of the well. We are at the end of the intentional brand tech, so I guess if you had to give it a grade, what would you give it? I'm gonna give them a, a B minus, and that's because I'm hurt. <laughs> but I'm hard on folks. And so if I could break it into two, I would. I would give them a B plus for where they're at right now, maybe even an A minus. Um, and then a, a B minus for where they're heading in the future, whether that's legitimate or not, you know, to be determined. But from my perspective, I think they're doing a great job in the now, the way that they're setting up for a transition into a much larger market as we build more mass community here, I think is a little bit unclear. And they're not doing a great job about thinking or forecasting their messaging in that way. Like Pat said, it could be from a legal perspective of why they're doing it. It may be very strategic. Um, but those are just my opinions. Pat? Agreed. Agreed. I, I will probably close to a B, maybe a B plus. But to Christina's point, I really don't know. And this is not about this project as much as it is the market. I don't know what the average person sees as 
the biggest value when they're investing 15 e $30,000 almost, you know what I mean? Into a project. Is it going to an experiential event? Is it going to two a year? You know, that same question has to be answered for like the board apes and whether they're going to do once a year event, twice a year event, what's the value prop exactly. And because there isn't one, I'd be hard pressed to tell anybody to be investing at this point into any of this asset class, unless they're treating it as the most high risk literally sell it when you go to sleep so that you're not ever carrying this for a moment where your eyes are closed and you could lose 50% because um, without enough of a forecast of the future and without clarity from folks on what they want and what they see value in, anything could spin all of this in a bad direction and then the floor price can fall apart. So I think bringing in new folks at that level is going to be harder and harder until those things are defined. So B... Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna come with the more positive take. I'm gonna give them an A minus just because from a branding and marketing point of view only. Not even like taking out the you know long vision of the business. Just taking in the marketing and the branding and the emotional benefits that they are giving to people. I think they're definitely deserving of an A. Uh, I with the beans that uh, we didn't touch a lot, but their content is so relatable, is so shareable. It's like day to day stuff that they make into this really cute, you know, content that all their community engages on a daily basis. So I think anyone from a marketing perspective or a content creation perspective uh, in branding, they would I think aspire to be. Uh, someone like the Suki project. So for that reason, I'm going to give them an A uh, from, you know, business model and all that. Uh, I think you guys are, are you know, you guys have the, what is it, nail on the head? I, I don't know how Americans things work, but. Hit the nail on the head, yeah. You hit the nail on the head. <laughs> See, I, I, I'm not even going to do it because I don't know how to use those things, but. You get what I'm saying. Um, so branding, marketing, a business model, long-term, uh, you know, l- longevity into getting into the mainstream, who knows? So uh, I think that's good. So I think that will bring in maybe like a B plus on average for a Suki. Not too bad. Yeah, I think they have lots of potential. Like, don't get me wrong. If I was looking at what has great potential, I do think they're lore. I mean, I just look at this homepage and I'm like, I would want every outfit that's on this screen. I'd want people in cosplay at events. I'd want to be at cosplay kind of like places and actually, you know, dressed up fully in these types of characters. I love it. Like that to me, if they're willing to go that far, and I think a lot of development, both in clothing and merchandise, is going to come from other people coming. So let's say someone who does make a jacket like that or shoes like that would approach the brand and say, hey, these, you know, sandals that we have are really close. What if we work together and make you these ones and sell them together and use that as an opportunity? That would be super exciting. I haven't seen anyone do cool shit like that yet. So that would be awesome to see as yeah. well. Good potential. Media, media too. The potential to turn these characters and this lore into a media project, into uh anime, you know, show, anything like that. I think it has so much potential. Um that was all for the intentional brand check. All right, folks, we're back with the last segment. 
nerding out genius marketing moves, efficiency tools, AI tools, and community campaigns that we really liked. Patrick, what you got today? Today I'll be going over Lovo.ai. It's a realistic AI voice generator. Now, most of the voice generators I've ever experienced are usually pretty weak, and they don't really sound like people. They sound kind of robot-y. So this is the very first one I've ever seen that I think really does give you that possibility. So I created one here. I'm just going to play it, see if it comes through correctly. Hey there, everyone. Can you believe what Christina, Alex, and Patrick are doing with their podcast Intentional AF? Who do they think they are with this shit? You better not tune in for more brand tips, projects, and tools you don't want to miss. The nerve of these guys, who do they think they are? So there is an example of someone else saying whatever words you type in there, you can play with the speed at which it goes, and then you can actually dig through a large portion of different people, voices, voice types. And to be honest, it actually sounds really good. I'm actually surprised. So one of the things I'm going to be doing for our show is actually doing that sponsor read-in and using one of these voices to do the read-in for us. And it's a great way of kind of doing some of the parts of a show or a podcast that you don't want to do. Let's say a disclaimer that you do as well, Alex. We can get it done and recorded by May over here and play that instead. So the opportunity for a realistic sound that's very easy to do is here and exists. Um, one of the other tools I'll be showing in the following episodes will allow you to take your own voice and start to mimic and use your own voice for this type of technology. But right now, this is the best one I've seen for using this pool of voices they have, as well as tweaking on pronunciation, speed, and aspects of it. But it works really, really well. You can have a conversation between a bunch of different people and simulate an entire group conversation. It would be very interesting to be able to take content that we transcribe from private meetings, take components that are useful, and put them into a discussion had by these not-real people, and put that out as an entire podcast. Wow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a crazy idea. But yeah, I mean, there is a lot of like AI influencers now and AI-generated content. So this will be literally taking it to the next level. So I'm scared, but let's do it. I'm, I'm there <laughs> to try it out. And you get 20 minutes for free, so you really can test it quite a bit and see what it is. And there's like 50% off on the first month. So it's it's really good to try. Only 24 bucks now, normally 50 bucks a month. They do do video as well, but I did not play around with anything on the video side and how they edit videos or chop them up. But that was not the reason I came here originally, but I will probably dig in and understand why they provide that video side and there must be some advantages to that as well. Yeah. Very cool tool that I'm scared of, but very useful. So $30 or $25 a month, easy to use. Um, We're missing anything or should I jump into my tool? No, I think that's like the gist of it. The fact that there's a good pool of voices for you to choose from, that you can design it and create it in a way like an actual show. Um, and do all the different characters, to me, it's mind-blowing. You know, to your Azuki's comment before, this is the voices behind the animated cartoon. 
and then it's going to the next AI that takes the two different scenes and illustrates between them, right? Interpolates that and gives you now an animated series with people talking and we haven't had to hire these people or wait for them to come into the studio to do any of these things. I think that's kind of where we're getting really close to. It's cool. Now, your tool. I'm just blown away by the use cases that I just thought of for it. Uh, For my tool this week, I'm bringing a combination. uh, I call it a magic combo to repurpose Twitter spaces. So a lot of the NFT projects that we talk to, um, that we work with and that we talk about, a lot of the times they use Twitter spaces as one of their content tools. And Twitter space is a really good opportunity for any brand to have more original content. So how do you do that? So this combo tool is to ju- do just that, to take your Twitter spaces and convert them into maybe a blog or a newsletter or any kind of written content that you can do. Um, so that way, the hour, hour and a half, two hours that you spend on your Twitter space is not just sitting there, but you're actually able to take a lot from it uh, from a content point of view. So uh, how you can do that is with this three tools. Spacedown.com is, uh, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. You put your link on the page and it's free to use and it will translate your Twitter space or it will uh, put your Twitter space into the MP3 form. Uh, Really simple, free to use. And then once you have that MP3, you can use the second tool, which is Otter AI. We've talked about this tool before, but I don't think we've talked about pricing, but it's a transcription tool uh, that can take any audio into transcription. It's really used for meetings, uh, having the notes after any Zoom meeting that you have, uh, but also for content. So the idea is that you take that MP3 that Spaces Down gives you, you plug it into Otter AI, and Otter AI will give you that whole transcript that you can even organize in block form. Uh, so the pricing for Otter AI is, uh, let's see, between 16 and $30 a month. Um, so not too expensive and they do have a free version uh, but I think it's just limited in the amount of hours that it gives you if I'm not mistaken Uh, but we use it all the time very easy to use like user friendly once you are in and like navigating it's very easy Uh, and then the last thing once you have that blog uh, and adult that transcription you can plug it into something like ChatGPT which is free uh, or $20 a month if you pay for the premium version, or alternatively, uh, a tool called Write Sonic. Uh, that, and then that's where you can tell the AI to, okay, this is my transcript, this is the, the outline that it gave me from Otter AI, create a TLDR for Twitter, create a blog post for my website, etc., 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 so I would say the only difference when using ChatGPT versus WriteSonic is that WriteSonic, it's a little bit more, um, I would say user-friendly because you can plug in the different questions that they ask. 
uh, instead of you having to come up with the prompt on ChatGPT. But besides that, uh, either one is really good for this exercise. So again, just combine spaces down, transcript tool, Otter AI, and any kind of AI writing tool like ChatGPT or Risonic. And you can repurpose a whole Twitter space into tense or, you know, whatever kind of written content that you want for your brand. That's awesome. This is interesting. I didn't see this as a new feature where they allow you to build a no-code custom AI chatbot. So it's basically doing an API interaction with ChatGPT that allows you to build your own database based on your own writing. So you could actually submit your own emails, your last articles, your transcripts from the last 10 episodes that you've done, and actually have that all fed into there so that when you say, now do three tweets for me on this topic, it's actually referencing all of your writing and transcriptions that you, so it's in your voice. That's really awesome. I've been looking at that separately to do on my own, so it's neat that they're finally operating. Mm -hmm. like this seems like a great idea. I'm going to test that next. Possibilities are endless. And we are actually working on how-to guides on how to repurpose content. And this would be one of the examples that we can guide you. So go to beintentional.xyc to check those out. We'll be there. Um, not They're not live right now, but we're working on those to give you that how-to step-by-step on how to repurpose content. Christina. Your tool looks fancy. Yes. So this is actually like the tool of tools. Um, So it's called Super Tools from a group called The Rundown. They do an AI newsletter where they're kind of doing a lot of this work. They're experimenting, they're reviewing different AI tools. Um, And what this site has done is an aggregate of everything that they find online. I find it really helpful because oftentimes I can get lost in Twitter threads of people that are AI experts online trying to tell me about different products. What's beautiful about super tools is that they're aggregating everything that they review um, and that they're finding online. Then they're also allowing you to search by different categories to find the tools that you need. So it can be from, from price, whether it's free or not, the benefits of it. So is it going to help you with productivity or efficiency? or even just the type of task, meaning video editing, speech detectors, that kind of thing. Um, so I I follow their newsletter. Their newsletter is great. But if I come across something like video editing that I want to create some more efficiency in, I can go, I can search that. And then they give a bit of a, a rundown of each related to what are the things that I might need to know about those products. So it just helps me to not have to go and like the abyss of Google um, and even ChatGPT without the direct link to to website could be a little bit more difficult too. So it just saves me a little bit of time um, and it's regularly updated because we know that there's thousands of tools being launched, you know, weekly related to AI. So it just helps you to to get the information a little bit quicker. I use it and I continue to use it mostly from the task-based perspective when I'm doing something say I was converting my voice into uh, an AI tool or sorry, using an AI tool to convert my voice, I could go here and I could search that directly to see what tools are available. So I really love it and it's free right now. So why not? This is awesome because this is a great way of getting the latest of what's out there without having to sit on like 
a rabbit hole on TikTok or Instagram, seeing <laughs> some of these things that pull you in the wrong way. Because sometimes there's like seven, ten different versions of the same thing, and it's only the two that do the best at it. The rest are kind of like barely making an effort. Yeah, I think I heard a stat the other day that like since the launch of GPT-4, which was like a matter of weeks ago, there have been like 2,000 individual AI tools and products that have been launched. And that's so that's happening in a matter of weeks. We can only imagine where we'll be in a year. So tools like this that aggregate it all and allow you to search based on what your needs are will save us a lot of time in the future. Big time. This is awesome. I will be using this personally. Me too. I already got my first window open over there. <laughs> those are really good. Well, those are the tools from Nerding Out this week. Check them out. And thank you for joining us on today's episode. Yes. And just a quick note, Alex, and Nerding Out, we're looking at genius marketing moves, efficiencies, AI tools, we actually bring up the websites that we're reviewing on screen. So if you're on Spotify and you're listening to this, head to the show notes and look for our YouTube channel, Intentional at Intentional XYZ, and you can see all of the tools reviewed actually on the screen. Great show. Thank you for tuning into Intentional AF. Don't forget to subscribe like and join us on all of our different channels and platform head to youtube if you're in spotify or any major streaming platforms like and subscribe there to be able to get your latest on branding marketing and tech insights in web3 uh, we love this show we looked at azuki we talked about a personal brand tip on community engagement and thinking about the needs of your community and really reviewed some amazing tools to be able to help you get more efficient in your day-to-day We hope you enjoyed the show. We hope you'll follow along and friendly reminder, you got this.